that drummer guy. <clears throat> 10 years of real, not clickbait interviews from somebody who actually cares about music. What the world needs more of. It's a testament to you and your dedication and commitment. That drummer guy. This guy consumes more music in one year than most of us could hope to in a lifetime. The list of names he interviews is insane, and each one seems to be better than the last. You've introduced me to so much new music, and I appreciate you so much. You're that bad drummer guy. I need another beer. Hey everybody, this is That Drummer Guy, and I have returned, and I have a brand new interview with the band Running Wild. Plus, I got some other stuff to talk about on the tail end of things, including the past week, and as I'm recording this right now, the final hour of Halloween. But for those that are just interested in the interviews, let's make you nice and satisfied right now with my interview with Rock and Rolf of Running Wild. Talking about the brand new album Blood on Blood, which is available now through Steam Hammer. In this interview, we talk about writing this album during a pandemic. What it's going to feel like to be able to get back on the stage with so many albums under their belts and songs to choose from. Making a diverse Running Wild album and so much more. So here you go, folks. My interview with Rock and Rolf of Running Wild. Hi, this is Rolf from Running Wild. Hi, how's it going? I'm fine, yeah. Oh, awesome. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to do this interview. No problem, no problem. Oh, well, it's uh, great to be able to talk to you again. I was able to uh, talk to you last time for Rapid 4A, and it's great to be able to talk to you now for Blood on Blood, which is coming out next Friday. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, I've gotten the chance to be able to check out this album uh, over the course of the week, and I just love what's going on with this album. It just It's just a really fun album from start to finish. It's got those great hooks that I love running wild for. It goes into different territories, which I appreciate. And it's just got a great overall feeling for the album, which we really need in 2021. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so um, it, it was a long ride, you know, because I started out working on the album. Um, you know, the, the first track that I've, re- I've written was the title track, Blood and Blood. I wrote it pretty much during the, the, the final mixing session for Rapid Foray, you know, starting out with that kind of point. And, and so it was a long ride. It was, you know, a gap, some gaps in between where we, you know, had to, to prepare some shows for 2017, you know, the few months off then. Uh, I couldn't work on the album. And for 2018, it was and Open Air. We played as a festival in Atlanta. And some illnesses concerning my person in between. So there were a lot of gaps until we then finished pretty much the record, you know, pretty much at, at the end of 2019, I picked the songs that should be on the album, uh, the 10 songs. And, um, and luckily we, you know, at the beginning of 2020, we could finish the drum recording session, you know, before the first lockdown in Germany. So after that, I had the time to, you know, work in my studio and doing all the kind of overdubs and, and rework everything I was not satisfied with concerning the demos I did and, and all these kind of things. So it took a lot of time and it was clear from the get-go it would be an album which had two songs, ten songs in, in between, you know, these kind of songs are pretty much different from each other. And um, that was from the get-go though, because the, the first track I had was Blood on Blood and the basic idea for Say Your Prayers and um, Wild Wild Nights. So completely different tracks, you know, for that kind of thing. So I knew that kind, kind of album would turn out very special concerning the songwriting and the production and everything. And it, it's so great to hear that too. And, you know, just when you got those ideas running for you and you're able to uh, ad- adapt to those situations. I mean, the fact that, I mean, the, the first two songs that you had were Blood on Blood and Wild Wild Nights. Or, you know, it's just, it's great to see those contrasts because they are two very different songs, but they're two great examples of what this album is all about. Yeah, and also then this was the starting point, and then it, there were about 20 songs in the pool of the album, you know. So, and I really had to pick then the 10 songs that should make it on the album because I wanted to make sure that each song should add something to the album, new facets, new kind of styles to, to the album, which the other nine songs couldn't, you know. So that's why um, it was, in the end, it was these 10 songs make, making the album, even if they are completely different. And I tried out to give every single song a, a certain kind of character concerning the sound. You know, there's not two songs on the, on the album that got the same guitar sound or the same drum sound or the same bass sound or something like that. 
So no, I, I really wanted to make sure to give each song its own face, so to speak. Yeah, and I really think that paid off for the best, too, because it really gives it that full album experience. I mean, from uh, start to finish, it's got those peaks and valleys that just really make it a fun album experience rather than just a collection of songs. I mean, it feels like these songs are meant to be together, but they are so different from each other, and that's what's so intriguing from start to finish. Yeah, that's what everybody says, you know, because uh, you can easily pick every day a new favorite song. <laughs> that's the way it is, and, uh, you know, it's um, always, Rigo's album's always that way, you know, so they really can also discover some new stuff. doesn't matter how often you listen to the record, there's always new stuff you can, you can find out about, and uh, this is what a great album makes. Oh, absolutely. So, um... With that in mind, I mean, obviously with um, the idea of wanting to make the songs so different from each other, did that come with any kind of challenges, or did they all start to uh, just work out naturally when you were trying to write the songs out? It was a little bit of work when, when I started out with this kind of experiment one night, one day, because it has no real, you know, no real um, arrangement, because there's no verse, and there's no pre-chorus and no chorus. It's always the same part coming over and over again. And there was a bit of a challenge, you know, to make this interesting and to make this work as a song itself, because it's divided into three kind of parts, which is one night, the guitar, chaos in the middle, and, you know, the, at the end, uh, one day. And um, that, was, that was pretty much big work for that, you know, to find out all the sounds and to, to choose them, you know, with the clean guitars and all these kind of noises in between and all these kind of little things that make the song great and these flying guitars above everything so that, that was a challenge even in the mixing phase you know because um it was pretty much hard work to bring out everything at the end because there's everything there's all the guitars all the vocals all the melodies everything together and to make it you know all sound like and, and to let it you know to, uh, that you can really can hear all the small details still that was a little bit of a work well, I definitely say, from the fan perspective, that really paid off, because much like you were talking about before, the more that I listen, the more that I'm able to discover more with the songs, whether it's going deeper into the lyrical content, whether it's in the, the song arrangement, whether it's in the chords. I mean, there's so so much deep in these songs, and it has that replay value for that great reason, and if it was a, a bit of a challenge to be able to get some songs going on there it i definitely think it paid off because the final product is so great yeah you know i, I was still about finished with with, with this with, with the whole record and it, w it was about one week until i should handle over the tape to the record company and um only Han from spv he called me up and he said okay we want to push the album for two months will be out later because of several reasons so you got two more months to handle over the tape and so i really had that this paper with all these small details you know I was, I was still not completely satisfied with and so the last two months i really could work on these small details and give it the last five percent which now makes the quality of the album you know so that there was a very luxury situation i never had that before is there any particular examples of what fit into that five percent? Yeah, there were some small details, you know, especially in, in, the, in the song like "Crossing the Blades," because the drums had been originally recorded for, for the single, so it was not done by by Michael. He was just a supervisor for the drums, and uh, so they were different, and this, all the sounds were different. So I really had to make sure to bring the song on the same level like the whole album was, you know. So that's why we recorded the rhythm guitars then. Back in the day, you know, I, I really had to do that. I really recorded the bass and I added some vocals and, you know, I, I came up with, with, the, with the intro and stuff like that to make sure that this version also was different to the version of the single and on the other hand to make it fit into the album. So that, that was a bit of a challenge, you know. Yeah, and I, I was going to bring that up as well, too. I really do appreciate the fact that you did go and uh, re-record Crossing the Blades because I did love the original version that came out in 2019, but it's so great to see the album version have its its own style to it and fits so well on Blood on Blood. Yeah, because, you know, the, 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 the guitar sound didn't fit into the mix I was doing, you know, the original guitars. That's why um, it was not because they were not played well or something like that. It was just about the sound because I couldn't get them where I wanted to get them. So I just re-recorded them or re-recorded the bass. And 
I added, you know, the small, uh, the small melodies in the second verse, and, and you know, added the the intro to that, you know, to make sure that we got a different version on the album and to make it fit to the other songs. And that was pretty much a bit of a challenge, you know, to get this on the on the same level like all the other songs were and at that time. Oh, I can definitely imagine so. And, you know, al- along with that as well, too, I mean, it's great to see so much detail that really went into this album. And again, like I said, it, it's really paid off when it comes into uh, listening to it audibly. And I gotta say also as well, along with that, the album cover is just tremendous. I love the colors on it. I love the whole look of it. And it just fits so perfect for the album. Yeah, you know, I, I, I did discover myself, so I, it is in real, it's about 90 to 90 centimeters. Um, I did it in real, you know, made from metal and made from different different kind of materials to make sure it looks exactly the same as it should look like. And, um, and then I took a picture of that and Jens, right off with it, the cover, he reworked that kind of stuff. So to make sure that this really looks like an old, old, old painting or something like that, you know, so, and it really turned out exactly like I wanted it. Yeah, and I, I mean, that's so great to see that, too. I mean, the more that I've looked at the album cover, it's like I really do see those details that go into it. So it's great to see that you, uh, you know, just like making sure that all aspects of this album is exactly what you wanted it to be. I mean, whether it's visibly, whether it's audibly, I mean, it, it, it was a lot of work going into it, but I just love the way it came out. Yeah, because, you know, I've got some, some visions in my head because of how I want to show, you know, the story of these, of these musketeers also in, in, the, in the cover and also on the back cover, you know, with the, with the paper and, and the dagger and, you know, steps into that and, and all these kind of little things. And, and uh, if you see the photos on the inner side, they also had done by me and he's reworked it to make it sure that it really looks like the way it should look like for the, for the century, you know. Oh, very much so. And, you know, and speaking of that as well, too, I mean, when it goes into uh, the visuals that really go into it, I mean, when you were, uh, when the singles have come out for Diamonds and Pearls and The Shellback, I really love the lyric videos as well, too. I mean, both have their own different flair to it, but they both really match the songs very well. Yeah, you know, so it's, it was a little bit of a work to get that, to get that right, you know, because when, when you work in the Pro Tools and you work completely digital, um, you know, the, the magic is to, to make it, you know, to let it sound like an analog record, you know, even if you, if you use that kind of things, you know, and, and that's what I wanted to try out, and I really achieved that, you know, I, I recorded with an amplifier, not with a camper amps or something like that, you know, it was it's the same setup. I'm, I used to, to to record the guitar then I play live with, so it's exactly the same, and so that's why it, it makes this kind of sound and it makes this kind of, you know, an impact on a song. Yeah, and th- that can affect so much, too, and y- I mean, when you can find the right tone, when you're playing the right guitar, when you're uh, playing everything the way that you want it to be, I mean, there's so many different variations that can go into it, making sure that you can dial in things right, so when you get that right combination then that's got to be a great feeling yeah absolutely that, that's why i recall the bass myself and not all it's not played by all um because i have this i have the right bass sound that fits to my guitar sounds i'm using you know so could be a problem when other guys is recording the bass and you handle it over so you could be in trouble <laughs> just just from, from the view of the sound you know so that's why i'm doing this myself to make it really fit into the song and fit into the to production you know Oh, very much so. And in speaking of that as as well too, I mean, as much as I do love hearing the album, I can just imagine how good these songs are gonna sound in that live setting as well too. I mean, when shows and festivals and everything that starts to get back to some kind of normalcy, I mean, I can't wait to be able to hear these songs in that live setting. Yeah, there's, there's some songs that have been really done for live, like the title track, you know. But there's also some songs we never could play live, which is the Iron Times and One Night One Day. Um, because there's so many going on, there's so many different guitars and, and, and things. You really could do that with, you can't do that with two guitar players, it's not possible. And otherwise you should be having a lot on, on your computer just, you know, to put it as a playback in, and that's what we not wanted. When we play live, we play 100% live, you know. 
Oh, very much so, and and that's the way it should be, too. I mean, you want to be able to play what you can, and, you know, if a song's not going to work out in that live setting, you know, that that can be all right, as long as you got the other songs that are meant for that live setting, and you're able to play them with two guitars, you're able to play that with the full band set up, and just really make it for that a great set list for a great show. Yeah, that's what I wanted to achieve, to, to make it sound live on the record in a way, you know, so to have that kind of power and impact from the guitars, from the drums, and from, from the whole set. And, um, you know, that, that was a little bit of work to get this to this high level, you know, to let it sound like that, you know, with, with the re-hammering drums that really sound like being played live, you know, and playing, being played in the hall in a bigger one. Oh, I can imagine. So, especially when it comes to drums, too, and you want to make sure that you get that real sound, you get that live sound, you want to be able to get that natural reverb that's going into the drum so it feels like it's in that live setting. I mean, there's so many different variables when you're recording an acoustic instrument like that, but when you dial it in, it's just, it's so killer. Yeah, pretty much concerning this album, this um, the drums have been reworked by myself completely different on each song. So there's never the same plugins, the, the same tools on, on, on the snare drum or the toms or something like that. So it's always have been done for the song, especially, you know, to make sure that these drums sound in there. Sometimes you put the same drum sound for another song, it doesn't work because um, the guitars sound completely different or it's played in a different key or something like that. So you really had to an eye on that. And that takes time really to work this out until the 100%, you know? Oh yeah. and. This is definitely the kind of album that absolutely calls for that, too, because just like what you said, I mean, there's some songs where one sound uh, for the drums, for example, it's just going to sound perfect. But when you use it for a different song, it's just not going to sound right. So, you know, being able to match the, the tones that you're looking for on any kind of instrument instrument to make sure that it matches up what's going on in your head and then that final product is what you want it to be it can be challenging but it's worth it in the end yeah you really need the time to do that and it's, it's also one thing why it, it took so long to, to do the record and uh, uh like i said before there were some gaps in between that where i couldn't work at all so it's not really five years it's pretty much three years if we really put that right you know so um but it really took the time to get up to this high quality and uh, and I'm really, really satisfied for the first time in my life with the record. Yeah, there were always small things, you know, here and there where you're not very completely satisfied with, but it's the first time that I really say uh, everything turned out the way I really wanted it. Oh, that that is just so fantastic to hear, and like, like I've said a few times now, I mean, I just love the final product that's come out, both visibly, uh, visually, audibly, everything that's going along with it. I mean, it does just feel like that perfect Running Wild album, and yeah, I, you know, sometimes it does take a bit of a challenge, but I mean, when you can look back and you say yourself that this is an album that you can be proud of 100%, that really means something. Absolutely, and you know the reactions are to pretty much overwhelming so far. You know, it it, it gets from the best running wild album since Black and In until the best running wild album ever. Or some guy said, you know, it's it's a timeless album, and maybe one when not the one, the best heavy metal album of all times. So and said, okay, <laughs> we can't really can stand this. This is this is great. <laughs> you know, it's it's really. Um, it's a really special album to me, and from the get-go, when I started out writing on the material and I was working on that, it felt in a way like a debut album, you know, the first album you ever did, even if it's, you know, the 17th album I, I made, but um, it is a kind of feeling, you know, that there was something special with the album you can't describe or you can't explain in a way. It's, it's just, you know, it just happened, and, uh, and I really had to, you know, let it flow and go my way through that. Oh, yeah. And, you know, thinking about that as well, too, I mean, especially when you've done 17 albums under uh, the moniker of Running Wild and you're able to uh, look back and see all the different ways that you've been able to record, whether, uh, you know, uh, going 
through the analog tracks, whether you're going through Pro Tools, whether uh, there, there's so many different variables that can go into it, uh, different recording studios, different guitars, instruments, all of those things. And, you know, the fact that you can still get the sounds that you're looking for in 2021 and you're able to do that through things like Pro Tools, you're able to do that through your own kind of setup. I mean, that's great. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm really satisfied. I'm really looking forward to the next when the album comes out, you know, because um, there's a lot of things going on now. You know, it's, it's pretty much heavy rotation in the clubs over, you know, whole Europe. So I um, really look forward to that. Yeah, I've been seeing such great reception for the single so far and for the... the the lyric videos that have been going on with Diamonds and Pearls and the Shellback, I mean, yeah. it's just so great to see that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm really satisfied. Oh, I can, I can imagine. And with the album coming out next Friday, I mean, obviously a, so much work has gone into this album to make it the best it possibly can. Like, when the album eventually does come out uh, next week, I mean, what's going to be going on next with you? Oh, in the first place, we really have, have to look forward to you know, if we can play some shows the next year, you know, because, because we have these four festival shows of Europe that have been originally announced for 2020 and now pushed over because of COVID to one and now to 22. Um, it's, it's not sure if we really can play them, you know, we, because they're very big festivals where 100,000 people, something like that, you know, for, for example, the Hellfest in France. and. It's um really look forward to that, but nobody can tell if we really can play them, you know, because of that COVID situation. And when we can't do any shows, you know, because we don't do any touring, we just do festivals or event shows. Uh, and I was just, you know, very slowly start out with collecting material and stuff like that, you know, because when I did the final mix for Blood on Blood, I wrote the title track for the next album. So <laughs> it just happened. There was no plan I had for that. It just <laughs> happened. I just had the idea, put it down on tape. And, We'll see, you know. Oh, yeah. And, you know, um, uh, I mean, obviously that's going to be some time until the next release comes out. But the fact that you've already started working on it, I mean, that, that that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, you know, because when I handed over the, the tape, for sure, when you handle over the tape to the record company, it's done for you. You know, because you finish that work and so you can go on to, to, to other things. But it was not the plan to write a song. It just happened. And, um... We will see, you know, there's a lot of other material which is still there from that full, from the 20 songs I had, you know, there's a lot of different ideas that were not bad, they were really great ideas, but they were not the right for this album, you know, so we have to wait and see, but we look forward to play some shows the next year and maybe some more than the four shows when we can play them. Nobody can tell now because it's some, it's a, it's a problem, pretty much a problem, you know, if you have these big festivals with the fans coming from all over the world and the bands coming from all over the world. Could be a problem how, how should they should handle that with the COVID situation, you know? Oh, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, especially with the last couple of years that we've been living in right now, I mean, there's so many delays, whether it comes to albums, whether it comes to festivals, whether it comes to tours. I mean, there's uh, when, when it comes into music, uh, there, there's just been so many delays, and we're just, ever everyone's hoping that next year that things can get back on the right track. And I know, uh, I, it's gotta, I gotta imagine, like, being able to get back on the stage and being able to do something like a Hellfest and just being able to get up on the stage and just play like you used to just pretending that uh COVID is just in the backseat you forgetting it ever happened and just being able to focus on the crowd in front of you that's that's what i gotta yeah. hope for yeah absolutely yeah yeah because you know we really want to play the new songs for sure you know and so we also have to re-work on the set list, you know, because um originally it was planned you know we had to play the shows and then i was going back to the work for, for the album, and the album will come out later. So the record company said no more than two songs from the new album, but now it's a different situation because the album will be out more than half a year when we play the shows, when we can play them, you know, so we have to, to you know, have a focus on that, you know. Oh yeah, and you know, that, that can be a good thing too, because it will give people more time to experience the album too, and you know... Uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's why, you know, we, we have to see and, you know, I choose two songs or three songs we, we should play in, in the original set from 2020 and you know, we will see. If this is enough, you know, when, when the album went straight to the roof, um, we have to think about it. 
Oh, for sure. But, you know, until then, you know, just like uh, absolutely hoping for the best when it comes to uh, the the festival appearances next year and everything yeah, that's going to come definitely. along with that. But, you know, until then, an, an amazing album with Blood on Bloods coming out next week. Just 10 killer tracks from start to finish. And it's just it's so great to see a Running Wild album of this caliber coming out in 2021. An album that I th- feel like the world needs right now. Just being able to hear like 10 really fun tracks to really be able to enjoy on different levels. And I thank you for taking the time to be able to not only talk to me about all of that, but also just like putting in the time and effort to make sure that this is the album that you wanted to make. Absolutely, yes. And welcome back to the show. You just got done here in my interview with Rock and Roll of Running Wild. And again, their brand new album, Blood on Blood, is available now on Steamhammer. And I gotta, again, apologize over the last few weeks. I am still recovering from allergies. I feel better than I have before. My eyes are a bit better now. My nose is still pretty stuffed up. My throat actually... Not as bad as it normally is, so that's a plus. But over the past month or so, things have been running wild, ha ha ha, with allergies going on around here in Minnesota, and it's been a field day in my system just trying to put up with all of it. So if my noise... If my voice is annoying, I do apologize, and I do hope that the allergies let up soon. But I do have a few things that I do want to talk about. First of which is the day that I'm recording this, in the final hour of Halloween. And of course, if you're checking this out, the day that it comes out, it'll be November 2021, which is just absolutely insane to think about. I'm not sure if it's been like this for anyone else, but last year was such a slow year. And I think that was the case for a lot of people when it comes to the pandemic and stuff like that. But more specifically, this year has gone by almost too fast. Maybe it's because there was a lot of relief that started happening this year. You know, if you need to know my political beliefs. So fucking happy Trump is out of office. The pandemic is better. We're not seeing as many deaths, so I'll take that as a small victory, but we haven't won the war yet. But knowing that more kids are able to actually go out and trick-or-treat this year made me very happy. And everyone dressing up in their sexy costumes, going to Halloween parties either last night, tonight, whatever the case is, Friday night. Hope you got laid, hope you had fun, and I hope you stayed safe. How did I spend my Halloween? Well, I'll get into part of it lighter. And by part, I mean I'll probably go into great detail. But I'll start off with the positives first. Uh, First of all, I got the new PlayStation 5 game, Guardians of the Galaxy, made by Square Enix Montreal, and it is amazing. The graphics are spectacular. The writing is fucking hysterical. Gameplay is fun. When I first heard that you were only going to be able to play Star-Lord and you were going to be able to control the rest of the Guardians of the Galaxy, that really had me a bit worried until I actually tried it. And it works out so much better than you think it would on paper. There's a couple mechanical bugs and glitches that are happening right now. I've had to restart checkpoints a couple times because things were glitching out. But it's nothing compared to other games I've played before, Cyberpunk 2077, and (laughs) yeah, it just, it's a really fun game. I think it was well worth the price. If you're into Marvel, if you're into Guardians of the Galaxy, or if you're just into a group of ragtag people giving each other shit while trying to survive it's the game for you it's fun and that's what games are supposed to be they're supposed to be fun you know obviously you know some people like challenges some people like being able to play with friends some people like being competitive but overall the whole purpose of playing games is the fun factor you should be having fun with it and that's what i got out of this game and if you're a nerd like me i think you'll appreciate it as well and also tonight i did a double feature of horror movies and because I am who I am, they were Nicolas Cage horror movies. First off, I did the 2021 movie Willy's Wonderland, which is kind of like the game series Five, Night at Fre- Five Nights at Freddy's. Kind of? It, it, it's different, obviously, but it's kind of got that vibe behind it. And also, if you've ever seen the Banana Splits movie, the one that came out a couple years ago, 
that was a horror movie. It, it's a good mix of both of those, and then you throw in a silent Nicholas Nicholas Cage, and it just made for a really funny time. There was a, there were some jump scares in there, none of them which got to me at all. To me, I just found it way too silly to be scary, but that's the whole reason why I went into it. It's Nicolas Cage being Nicolas Cage, but he doesn't talk. He does it all through his actions, and just primo if you're looking for a B-grade horror movie. Plenty of murder, plenty of blood and guts, one dry humping sex scene, and just an overall fun experience. Do not go into this expecting to be scared. Go into it for the cheesy, terrible horror movie that it is. And it is, but that's what makes it great. True horror fans know that. Sometimes the shittier the horror movie is, the more enjoyable enjoyable it can really be. It's not just about the scares, it's just about seeing dumb people get killed. And after that, I finally checked out the metal-influenced horror movie Mandy, and wow! Talk about the polar opposite movie of Willy's Wonderland. It is very atmospheric, uh, it's uh, very visual, it's got a lot of weird acid trip visuals going on. Lots of use of color, which was really cool to see if you're into the artistic side of filmmaking. I mean, the use of colors and visuals that are going on are incredible. The story is absolutely batshit insane and borders on making absolutely no sense. You get the idea of what's going on, but it borders on the idea of not making any sense. And it's absolutely a definition of a slow burn. And I can see if you're not willing to sit through a two-hour horror movie, the first hour or so, it's that buildup of a slow burn. But that second hour, goddamn, that second hour just really, really picks shit up. And I don't want to give anything away, but Nicolas Cage is 100% Nicolas Cage in this movie after things finally pick up. I would have never watched it if it wasn't for him being in the movie. And I don't think anyone would even be talking about it if he wasn't in the movie. But that said, I'm glad I watched it. I was very happy to see the movie opened with King Crimson Starless, which of course I'm gonna be throwing on my playlist this week. I mean, how could I not? <laughs> but overall, two absolutely, when you think about them, fucking terrible movies, but two very enjoyable, fun, hysterical, whether they're trying to be or not, horror movies. And hey, maybe you'll enjoy it, maybe not. But if it sounded intriguing from anything I said, Give him a shot. And now for the final part of the show before I get to the soundtrack for the show this week, I gotta talk about the more morbid side of what's been going on, specifically today as of Halloween. I'm recording this right now. It is just about to hit 11.30 p.m. on Halloween, and as long as I make it another half hour of staying alive, I won. I won. To anyone who doesn't know what the fuck I'm talking about, I feel like I need to go into a little bit of detail here. I'm trying not to bring this co to a complete screeching halt, but it's stuff that my mind decided to figure out for me, despite not trying to figure it out on my own, and, well, hopefully I can stop thinking about it in a half hour or so. And that is dealing with my brother, who died two and a half years ago now. In fact, as of today, it was two and a half years ago. And the reason I bring that up is because my brother and I were two and a half years apart. And he died three months and 12 days from my birthday. And also, five months and 12 days from now. I apologize, I'm just having a hard time trying to explain this right now and some of you already know if you do follow my personal social media I wrote out a big long fucking spiel about this but anyone who does know my backstory my brother was an absolute fucking psychopath his final words to me before he died were trying to get me to kill myself something that he was trying to do for well over 20 years if not longer but he had been torturing me mentally, physically, emotionally, psychologically for over 30 years. He used to beat the shit out of me, would call me every slurred, derogatory term, anything horrible that you could think of, he would call me. And when he couldn't beat the shit out of me anymore, 
he figured out all of the triggers that were going on within my mind, and he used to not only press those buttons to send trigger moments that happen that destroy me mentally, he would smash those buttons so they no longer worked, and they would constantly stay on. He, he would create fake social media accounts, he would call me from blocked numbers, and he would just hit all of those trigger moments, and he would try to get me to kill myself. He wanted nothing more than for me to die. He threatened to kill me many times. And, you know, some people say, oh, that's just brothers being brothers. No, like, he he threatened my life many fucking times. And it scared the fucking shit out of me for 30 years. He was just a horrible disgusting scumbag of an individual. And not only to me, with my dad who's also a vile garbage human being, and one day I will say why, but what he would do to my dad is they shared the same name. So my brother would steal my dad's checkbooks, memorize my dad's social security, and write out checks, leaving my dad overdrafted almost every single month. He was such a user as well. He would use people any chance that he could, and when people say no to him, he would turn fucking violence, whether it was, if it wasn't physically, it was mentally. He would just fucking unleash on you if you ever said no to him. Some people will get upset or pissed when they're told no, he would try to fucking murder you if you said no to him. And if he didn't, he was gonna make you wish you were dead with all the shit that he would say to you. Back on me, he he ruined all of my self-confidence that I ever could have had. Somehow, I still have been able to keep up with something like that drummer guy, which has only been around two years without him in existence, which is great to happen but it still feels fucking weird because I was so used to him shitting on everything that I do. When I was in school, he would tell any girl who had a crush on me that I was the F word to describe a homosexual. I refuse to say the word. And he would do anything he could to fuck them so he could tell me about it after. And when it comes to fucking women, he fucked a lot of women over. He says that he fucked over 300 women, which he very well could have because he had a Harley Davidson that was actually my dad's that he would ride and apparently that impressed a lot of women. I guess Harley's just turn him on because I can't imagine it was actually his fucking personality, but as many girlfriends as I could imagine that he had and one fiance, he would beat the shit out of all of them. His last one, his fiance, they were going to get married before my brother's kidneys started failing and his whole body just kind of shut down from being a heavy smoker, being a heavy drinker, diabetic, taking no medication for diabetes. Maybe he wanted to die. Maybe it was his way of killing himself. Who knows? But with his fiance, he would beat the shit out of her all the time and actually broke three of her ribs pushing her against the wall because she was a dainty little thing. Like, she was very thin, very small, and all he had to do was push her up against the wall and broke three of her ribs. And the girlfriend before her, they used to beat the shit out of each other and they went to jail over it. The cops were called and they both went to jail over it. And I'm sure there's so much more with people that I'm not even aware of, like his former friends and other shit. He used to steal from me all the time. Like, I used to have all these great video games and video game systems. All of them got up to the 360 because he stole all of them. One day, maybe I'll get him back because apparently he had some of them and his fiance kept them. Maybe I'll get him back one day. Who knows? But, like I said in the beginning of this whole thing, he wanted nothing more than for me to kill myself. I'm pretty sure I've said it on the show, but just in case you haven't heard it, he told me in his final words that he wants me to kill myself so he can go to my funeral, open the casket, piss on my face, and laugh in front of everybody. Those were the last fucking words I heard from him before he died. That's my last memory of this vile fucking scumbag. And why am I bringing this all up on Halloween, you're probably wondering. It is because after he died, 
there is one thing, mainly one thing, I mean, there's other reasons that I've wanted to stay alive. You know, obviously, you know, with, even with being suicidal, I don't want to die. I just want the pain to stop. I think that's the case for almost 100% of people that are suicidal. I mean, obviously not 100%, but it's pretty fucking close. Where most people don't want to actually die. They want their pain to stop. Whatever's hurting them in life, they want it to stop. And a lot of people have no idea what to do other than that. But, you know, obviously that's one thing I want. I don't want to die miserable. I want to be able to look back at my life, realize that at some point in my life, I was able to turn my shit around and be happy. And I can look back and just realize that I was finally able to enjoy my life. Enjoy it for as long as I fucking could. I don't want to die miserable. That's one of the reasons why I haven't done a tenth attempt on my life after realizing this point. But it's been well over two years since my last attempt, and... The other big reason besides that point is because I wanted to outlive my brother. Essentially, he was born on March 7th, I was born on August 19th, I took the time in between, turned out to be Halloween, would be 5 months and 12 days, and... That was how much time there was between my brother's death, uh, my brother's birthday, and my birthday. Add 2 years on top of that, cause he would have been 35 this year. I turned 33. He died when he was 33. He died on May 19th. So, you take that time, add it together, mixed in with my birthday, and how long you'd be in that span of time between March and May to August and what would be Halloween, and it would be the same time. I don't know why my mind figured this out, but it did. It wasn't something I was actively trying to figure out, but my mind thought of it and realized that if I could survive Halloween, that means I've lived longer than my brother did. So to recap on that, my brother wanted nothing more than for me to die. And as I'm looking at the clock right now at 11.45 p.m., if you notice 15 minutes haven't gone by yet, it's because of editing, obviously. And I've been talking kind of slow and not necessarily talking immediately after a sentence because this is really fucking rough on me. But if I can live the next 15 minutes, I won. I beat my brother. I outlived my brother. The only thing he wanted was for me to die. And of course he wanted me to die before he did so he could do all the shit. All of the shit that he said. But now... I can finally say that, you know, obviously without any freak thing happening, I outlived my brother. I finally got the last laugh. It might be a petty reason to stay alive. It might be a really fucked up reason to stay alive. But it's a reason to stay alive nonetheless. I beat him. I beat him in life. I'm still here. And while I still suffer the fucking demons of him being alive, the demons of the past, of him destroying me, and what I have could have done with my life. And maybe I was supposed to go in the direction that I'm in right now, but living the way that I did with no self-confidence, always being told that I'm responsible for all the problems of my family, even stuff before I was born, which really, it makes no fucking sense, but when it's hammered into you for so long, you start to believe it. Like Stockholm Syndrome. The more that you're used to being in a terrible situation, the more you don't know how to cope without being in that terrible situation. And I'm not sure if I'll ever truly get past it, but maybe I will, because I get to keep living. I outlived my brother, and maybe something will finally trigger in my mind to where I can finally just live. And that's all I want for anybody that's listening right now. Like, if you've been listening to this whole this whole thing going on. First of all, I commend you. But second, just fucking live. We get one fucking shot at this life. Is there an afterlife? I have no fucking idea. None of us do. I want there to be. I want there to be an afterlife so all the pain that I've had to fucking go through can be cleansed and in the next life, I can just enjoy life and have that pain gone. If there is a heaven, I hope that I can get in there and finally live the life I've always wanted to till the end of fucking time. Is the reality that just everything just shuts off? There's just nothing anymore? I become one with the earth? 
in some way, whether I'm buried or cremated or whatever the case is, I... Yeah, I just become one with the Earth again. That's probably more likely, but anyone that is suffering, I want there to be something after this, so all of the shit that people have to go through will be worth it knowing that there's something on the other side for them that is gonna be everything that they want. But again, that's getting into a whole existential thing, and I'm not ready for my midlife crisis yet. I've been living through, you know, my early stages crisis, I've lived through my teenage years crisis, my quarter-life crisis. I'd like to hold off on my midlife crisis, if I can, for as long as I fucking can. And while I know it's up to me to be able to fight to do what I can to try to be happy from now till I'm no longer here, it doesn't mean it doesn't come with a struggle. It doesn't mean it doesn't come with a lot of pain and personal anguish that comes with it. But I just want to be able to say that I made it. I won. It might be the only thing I ever win again in life. But I, but I won. I'm so fucking thankful for that. And I really hope this can be the start of a new chapter in my life. It's not going to happen overnight, but fuck. Just knowing in the back of my mind that I finally outlived that piece of fucking shit... It gives me hope, and I do want to live. I hope you do as well. While this will be instantaneous for you, I need to take a few minutes to calm down. Might have a cry thinking about all this if my antidepressants will let me. But I'm going to put together the playlist, and instantaneously, I'll be right back with the soundtrack of this week's show. And I am now back. Even though it's instantaneous for you, it is well past... Midnight, it's officially November 1st as of recording this, I've won. Now, let's get into soundtrack for this week's show, episode 428. Of course, I'm gonna start things off with Running Wild with the song Diamonds and Pearls, off the album Blood on Blood. Coming up after that is the band Star-Lord, which if you play Guardians of the Galaxy, it's the band that Star-Lord names himself after with the song Zero to Hero. And they actually have a full album on the game. Not just like a verse and a chorus, like actual songs. It's a full length album from the band known as Star-Lord. I highly recommend you check it out. It's full of great 80s metal goodness. Whether you like more of the glam side or you like more of the thrash side, it's just good 80s heavy metal. Highly recommend you check it out. And following that, I have the title track from the titular film, Willy's Wonderland. It is so catchy in that 80s way where it feels like they couldn't afford Hold Out for a Hero. It sounds so much like that, but the lyrics are so very different. It's very dark, actually, but it's so catchy. I can't get this song out of my head, so I have to play it on here. Following that, of course, I have King Crimson with Starless. I mean, it starts off the movie Mandy. How could I not put in Starless? King Crimson is easily the most underappreciated prog band, and I do say that in many different ways, while they are a known band. The likes of Rush and Dream Theater and Yes and Genesis and so many other bands are more highly regarded than King Crimson ever will be. And to some people, they're just the band that Kanye sampled on a song. But there's so much more than that. Starless is a great example of that. Following that, I have a new song off the brand new EP from Exhumed called Worming. And the song known as Nazi Meddlers, Fuck Off. I mean, that's song of the year material just from the title. Following that, in something I never, ever thought was gonna happen, there's a brand new single from the band and Shaded Enmity, a song known as Grand Theft Family, and it's so good to hear them back. I hope they stay back. They're such a highly underrated band. They got that perfect mixture of technical and progressive death metal, and just a tad bit of that quirky sense of humor. So good. Following that, we're getting into black metal territory with Thulkandra. Thulkandra is basically a dissection tribute band without all of the hatred towards the LGBTQ plus community. So I can actually listen to Thulkundra, not Dissection. If you don't know what I mean, look up the band Dissection. You'll, you'll figure it out pretty quickly. But anyways, off the brand new album, A Dying Wish, I have the song Devouring Darkness. Following that, I have a brand new single off the new album from So Hideous, who released one of my favorite concept albums, 
followed by one of the worst examples of trying to make an instrumental album, and now they're back, and I really, really, really hope that they figured out what was going on with the band and made it the right way. But anyways, the brand new single is The Emerald Pearl by So Hideous. Following that, I have Mastodon, who... Just because of how fucking crazy this year has been, musically, non-musically, just life in general, and my life in general, I didn't even realize Mastodon was putting out a double album. I knew they were putting out a new album, and I might have even known in the past that it was going to be a double album, but I completely either did not know or forgot that they were putting out a double album known as Hushed and Grim. And this is the song on the playlist known as More Than I Can Chew. And finally, off the upcoming best of from the band Riverside, I have the song closing out this, this soundtrack for this week, Story of My Dream. A very varied mix. Got everything from 80s inspired metal to 80s inspired pop, to prog, to black metal, to technical progressive death metal, to progressive rock. You can't say you hear this kind of soundtrack on any other show. It's not really that varied when it comes into the rock and metal world. And you normally just hear the same old, same old from other shows and podcasts and websites. Not for me. And if you're definitely checking me out for the first time, you're gonna experience that at the end of the month with that Drummer Guy's top 100 albums of 2021. That's right. I'm only waiting on one more album to hit my collection, and I should be getting that possibly even today to be able to check it out and enjoy. I'm not gonna say what that album is, as it might give something away if it hits the top 100, but just like what you've heard, 100 albums. And it's It's not from shittiest to best. It is 100 albums that I love, and I ranked them in order from how much I enjoy them. Nothing in this playlist I would ever consider shit. It's great stuff from beginning to end. And I can't wait for you to read it on thatdrummerguy.com and check out the playlist exclusively on Spotify at the end of the month. And you know what? That's a pretty good segue to be able to close out the show right now. Thank you so very much for tuning in. If you stuck around this whole time, I... My hat's off to you. It it was a rough thing for me to be able to get through. The first half hour, absolutely. I'm glad you stuck around. But if you're sticking around to the end, thank you very much. And I should return next week with some brand new interviews, some brand new music in the soundtrack. And make sure to follow me on all your favorite social media sites, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and thatdrummerguy.com for over 800 interviews and counting. Like I already mentioned, at the end of the month, you will be hearing about that drummer guy's top 100 albums of 2021 it's back the way it should be and there's just way too music way too much music for me to be even able to say i could cut this down to a top 50 it's right back where it should be at the top 100 can't wait to be able to do it it's my favorite time of year and of course at the end of the year next month specifically i'm out so i will be recording shows in advance and putting them up through december i might put them all up at once i might even just put like one show to kind of cover all of december i have not decided yet but i'll figure something out but for my mental health i need december off that's just how i am and i hope that's okay with everyone listening here and i hope that the top 100 Except for the fact that I'm taking December off. Plus, I have other goodies when it comes to best of lists and other recommendations as well. And until next week, this is that drummer guy saying, see ya.